It is 18 hours 30 minutes East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 25th of May, 2022. Hamjambo Nakaribuni. Hello and welcome. What about the environment? Let me read Article 42 of our 2010 Constitution within the Bill of Rights. Every person has the right to a clean and healthy environment, which includes the right to have the environment protected for the benefit of present and future generations through legislative and other measures as elaborated in Articles 69 and 70. In Article 69, we read that the state has obligations in respect of the environment. Among those obligations, it shall work to achieve and maintain a tree cover of at least 10% of the land area of Kenya. It shall protect and enhance intellectual property in and indigenous knowledge of biodiversity and the genetic resources of the communities. Encourage public participation in the management, protection and conservation of the environment. Establish systems of environmental impact assessment, environmental audit and monitoring. Eliminate processes and activities that are likely to endanger the environment and utilize the environment and natural resources for the benefit of the people of Kenya. Every person has a duty to cooperate with state organs and other persons to protect and conserve the environment and ensure ecologically sustainable development and use of natural resources. Further, in Article 70, a citizen of Kenya can seek legal redress should the state renege on its obligations. Now, for some observations which point to the enormity of the challenges ahead. On average, every seven years, Kenya experiences a flood that costs 30 billion Kenya shillings, and every five years, a drought that costs 53 billion shillings. And finally, if you look at a map that depicts tree cover, Kenya has by far and away the least green of any East African country. Now, when I was at school years ago, I was taught that Kenya was only 25% arable. The current figure is that our tree cover is at 7.4%. So, with trees representing all things environmental, I am going to ask this week's knowledgeable mystery guest to listen to these sample answers to the question, is there anything wrong with cutting down trees? Jay, kuna ubaya gani wakukata miti? Cutting trees is very wrong unless it is posing a danger to the environment or to the residents or to the road users. In this world, trees are the beginning of life. Everything starts from trees 
and ends with trees. One of the disadvantages of cutting down the trees is that it destroys animal habitants. Kukata mti ni vizuri lakini ni vizuri ukate na upande mwingine. But now when there is that uh, deforestation, it brings a lot of heat because carbon dioxide is not consumed. Most people are moving from Eastland and going to settle in Kiamburod because Kiamburod it's more beauty because of the trees. Miti kukata inatupatia matumizi mengi kama vile ujenzi, tunatoa makaa hapo pia kupika nayo pande wakuni, pia madawa ambayo tunatumia. Trees help in uh, water catchment areas. Without trees, we not have rains. But the mantra is, cut one tree, plant three trees or five trees. That way you replace. Trees are the ones that supply oxygen. Trees provide everything. They provide solace to the birds. They provide shelter. Our universe will become more meaningless eventually without trees. There will be flooding, climate would eat up faster, hence will be no natural hair conditioning. Wanzangu, any comments, please? Um, uh-huh. So uh, what I love about my country, my people, is they know everything. They know all the answers to all the questions. Uh, but when it comes to taking action, that's where they draw the line. I am very, very impressed by uh, the answers given by uh, the individuals who are interviewed. I like the fact that they know that it, uh, life starts with trees as a... Uh, yeah, and the fact that uh, when we cut trees, uh, biodiversity and habitats are endangered. I like the fact that uh, they know that people move to places with trees because these places uh, present a beautiful, beautiful ambience and uh, the air is usually very pure. Uh, but uh, uh, what I would like to just say is that uh, why does it stop at that? When it comes to action, why can they also take action to ensure that their country is reforested? Every other uh, residential area has as many trees just as Kiambu, like someone else said on the uh, on the um, interview in the interviews. Uh, why can't they take action? Well. So we're a know-all country, we know everything, but um, as a citizen, Wenzangu, I'd like you to comment on areas of uh, topicality. If you read the newspapers, let me draw you to the fact that when we build our expressways in a city such as Nairobi, Mm. we've uh, cut down all our beautiful jacaranda trees, which were one of the features of Nairobi in order to achieve development. So in much the same way, I'd ask you if we're talking about wildlife, Mm -hmm. do we have to sacrifice our tree cover in the cause of development? Uh, All right. So uh, what we are discussing, what environmentalists look at right now is sustainable development, development that considers the future, development that uh, allows for both infrastructure and the environment and its natural resources to to thrive. So in the case of the expressway, uh, what should have been done is in case they needed to really uh, clear out these trees in order to pave way for the expressway, they should have uh, made sure that they replace this tree. But so far we've not seen any plans of this happening and this is where they failed. 
2022 and in the 21st century, you'd expect such infrastructure to uh, hold a sustainability component to it. Uh, but so far, that has not been seen. Uh, there was someone who uh, I saw on Twitter who was complaining that uh, why wouldn't they have built um, a tank to harvest the, the water that was dripping on people's car? Uh, this is something that should have been considered when drafting, when designing this road. We are in the 21st century. We should adopt more advanced uh, uh, ways of uh, developing our infrastructure. We should be more considerate to the environment. We should be aware that the environment um, holds uh, a big um, place in our our survival and in uh, our in our existence. And so when the environment is sidelined in order to make way for, for development, it really uh, leaves a question mark. Yeah. I'd like you to comment on something else, uh, Mwenzangu, and that is in the recent past, we've actually witnessed a front page, front cover story, where one of our own actually lost her life because mm. the boundaries of a forest hadn't been designated and it had been taken over mm -hmm. and because she was such a crusader for retaining the boundaries and not destroying our forests mm. uh, she she was killed for it and uh, one would have thought that we Wangari Madai was sort of battered and bruised in her day ended up getting the Nobel Prize but years later uh, death is the consequence Again, as an environmentalist, mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Because it, 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 it points to a deficiency uh, in, in government, for want of a better word. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And that is why I said in the beginning of the, our, our discussion is Kenyans know a lot. They know so much, thanks to our education system, I believe. But when it comes to taking action, that's where they draw the line. So I believe this individual was killed because the person who uh, committed this heinous act knew that this person did not have any backup. So uh, in case this person had backup from other Kenyans, Kenyans that would wake up the next day and demand for justi di justice, demand that uh, whoever uh, did this be brought to books, such a thing will never happen in future. Yeah, and it wouldn't even have happened in the first place. So it all comes down to Kenyans as the people who should be the ones demanding for their, ri their rights, which are... Uh, provided, stipulated in the Constitution, uh, and which they are not willing to, to do. So it all comes down to Kenyans who, who are not willing to do these things. The other topical issue that I, I would raise, um, because you read the papers as I do, we are being told that there is a great controversy currently about who should actually manage the demarcation of our forests. Mm -hmm. And there is reference to an article, I dare say it's Article 34 to something. But to the layman's perception, mm -hmm. the idea is that uh, members of parliament should come in and tell the Kenya Wildlife Services, people who traditionally were there to safeguard, mm -hmm. a change of management. Now, you, from your vantage point, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Um, let me just come out strongly and say it's a very, very bad thing. Uh, it's something that 
conservationists countrywide are saying no to. And uh, as you were reading uh, when we started the discussions, you said that uh, for in order for this uh, right that has been provided for in the constitution to to be effective, there must be collaborations across board. So therefore, if uh, these individuals who are proposing this amendment are not willing to collaborate with conservationists who are saying no to this amendment, then it means that they are not willing to include the actual uh, person who cares about the environment and who knows exactly what would happen in case uh, decision-making is taken away from KFS uh, to, to Parliament. Once again, we've seen how politics play out uh, when it comes to environmental conservation. We've pre previously seen that uh, Politicians are very willing to uh, put their put their selfish needs ahead of those of Mwananchi, the common Mwananchi, and those of the environment. Uh, and so if we put decision-making in the hands of people who are guided by their own selfishness, it means that whenever someone feels like they will be uh, running for a position in a given election year, they would be in a position to uh, do whatever they please with the environment at the... Uh, at, at the expense of other other uh, other things like uh, the sustainability uh, of our lives and our own development. Well, we'll bring back that word sustainability a bit later on. Mm. But what you say sort of begs the question that there's a certain category of human being that the minute I stop being a broadcaster and become a politician, that I will immediately lose all ethical sense there'll be a north there'll be no north star as to my behavior mm -hmm. and you're trying to suggest that there is this wonderful grouping of people mm -hmm. who love the environment and who are environmentalists like yourself mm -hmm. and therefore if they're running the show everything will be fine now a sort of um, uh, intelligent young child would say, uh, why has it taken it so long for these people who know everything? Uh, why do we have the, the problems that we have if environment, uh, environmentalists, long word, have been there all the time? They've always been there. Why is, there big, why is it now their big moment to dissent? So what uh, has been happening is uh, even uh, when conservation came to be, uh, they had to use a lot of force and power. There, there exist, existed two extremes, conservationists and uh, policymakers. So in order for uh, conservationists to uh, take their place on the, on the table, that's how people uh, put it nowadays, they had to use a lot of power and force. Uh, uh, because whatever they were saying uh, in good light, no one would listen. It it would fall on deaf ears, and this led to a lot of destruction, especially of forests. It uh, and there's a, even a time when we saw a lot of flooding, and this is when uh, conservationists knew that they had to come in with force because no one was willing to listen. And so uh, now that we we are at this position where again uh, we are likely to have uh, a disagreement between uh, policymakers and conservationists, uh, what I would suggest is that these two parties sit down and have a proper discussion because one of them is more knowledgeable uh, in matters conservation and they know what would happen in case um, things are not heeded. 
the, the politicians do not heed to their advice. And the other person, on, uh, on the other hand, feels that um, they have the best interest, uh, the interest of the uh, Mwananchi at, at heart. So even though they, they have the interest of Mwananchi at heart, they do not know the repercussions that this is likely to, ha- uh, to have if they do not heed to the advice of uh, conservationists. A good time to take a break. I'd like to have you comment on what I'd call a a tree planting craze because um, the United Nations declared this decade from 2021 to 2030 the, the decade of tree planting. On the ground, are we great beneficiaries of this edict from an international body? Uh, yes, um so uh, I have seen a lot of action on Twitter from young people especially. Uh, a lot of young people are getting involved in uh, these initiatives where they are taking part in tree planting, mass tree planting, uh, and they are making sure that their uh, voice is heard and that uh, they uh, they bring about the change that uh, is required. So the UN... Uh, declared 2021 to 2030 uh, the decade of ecosystem uh, restoration. And this is why young people especially are getting involved uh, to make sure that uh, this is actualized. Well, okay, um, you're saying uh, it's all happening around us now, but I I would ask you again whether you're trying to suggest that young people, Mm -hmm. the youth, the young Vijana washaelewa yale ambao sisi wazee hatujaelewa. Ndio kabisa. so there's a time that watu walikuwa wanasema vijana waamke uh, young people should stand up and be counted. I think uh, mm. that is how it was put. And so that is exactly what young people are doing. Uh, young people are, are coming out in numbers and making sure that uh, they are taking action against uh, Again, uh, sorry, 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 to, um, sorry. Sorry to be so rude. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if I can interrupt, uh, young people. You're yeah. talking about a, a sort of grouping of young people everywhere that you'll just sort of see them walking up and down planting trees. Where have they got the unity? Are they led by you, for example? Are you sort of tree planting warrior, even as we speak? Yes, I uh, I lead uh, a, a group of young people. Uh, in the restoration of Mao Forest. So we do this annually, uh, every June, because this is the ideal time uh, because of the rains. It, right. It's usually a rainy season. So we do it every uh, every June to also mark the World Environment Day. And we make sure to plant a good number of trees, which we leave in the care of communities um, to ensure that they, they survive. So young people are getting into organized groups and uh, together with other conservationists, they are making sure to carry out these uh, restoration projects. 
Okay, so explain to me uh, this whole idea when the, the, the people were responding that they know photosynthesis, uh, carbon emissions. If we plant, the, the message is, if you plant many trees, things will be better. Mm-hmm. The air will be fresher, etc., etc. Mm. But there are other mitigating circumstances in the sense that for everything that we do to mitigate ecological uh, disasters, mm-hmm. factories are going out and spewing out whatever, we're using coal. Mm. So we go back to this whole idea of uh, safeguarding the environment at the risk of um, abandoning development. So even if you look to countries like India, they're very loath to uh, abandon the idea of coal because they, they look at the first world and say, look where you're at. You did all this, and now you're telling us to use uh, windmills and turbines, but you got to where you are. So we want to progress. How, do, how does Kenya, how does Africa deal with that problem? And remember the image that we had at the beginning, that we only have 7.5% tree cover, and we're yearning to have 10. So we haven't even met our quota. Yeah. So uh, tree, uh, tree planting is just as good as the other... Uh, approaches to mitigating uh, climate change, for instance. Uh, uh, f- in this case, you'd find that uh, uh, there are countries that, like Russia, the big emitters, Russia, the United States, and China, these countries are emitting uh, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, uh, but they are not willing to cut down on these emissions. Uh, however, so could you just go back one again and explain to the rest of us yeah. a term like greenhouse gases? Yeah. Uh, what does it uh, mean to my auntie in the village when I go and visit her? Okay, so these are gases that are uh, trapping heat, heat from the sun. They are trapping this heat on the Earth's surface, and this is why th- our planet is currently extremely hot, and we are now experiencing. Uh, weird weather, like with weather is not as we used to know it. There are times that uh, the older uh, Kenyans would say we would uh, we are expecting rains on this day. Exactly. But right now that that is not the case. Uh, rains are very are very unpredictable. Weather weather in general is very unpredictable, and this is caused by that. So this is what we call greenhouse. Uh, the greenhouse effect, and it is caused by gases such as carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrogen. Right, so go back. You were saying countries like the, the major superpowers, what are they doing that we, yeah. they continue to do and we're not or should emulate? So these uh, countries have uh, led to the, the whole uh, greenhouse effect. So the, they are the big emitters. They emit uh, these gases because they burn fossil fuel in, instead of adopting cleaner sources of energy. So by doing this, uh, uh, they are putting countries like Kenya, which has negli- negligible um, emissions at risk. However, uh, as other people uh, petition these countries to lower their emissions, we will not wait for them to to do that. What we are going to uh, do is continue with our tree planting to restore our habitats, to restore our forests to their former glory, so that uh, by the time they are reducing their emissions, we find ourselves uh, at a good uh, position in terms of climate and everything else. 
Mwenzango, you know what I, what you said, the, the certain qualities that we have as a nation. Mm. One of the things, maybe we don't have 2020 vision. Mm. When I drive around as a Kenyan, what are presumed to be the forests close to me, I can see that if you go beyond the kind of boundaries and you go into the interior, mm-hmm. you find that they're agents, let's call them agents, busy cutting down trees. Uh, I'm, so because we're into ideas rather than individuals, mm-hmm. I'm not going to point fingers, but I do think that our forests are being cut down even as we watch for financial gain, to find them in boats for various destinations mm-hmm. because we have all these wonderful types of trees that will make wonderful furniture Mm -hmm. in some rich man's home far from Kenya and within Kenya. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm trying to say if I'm trying to ask whether we, because remember, we had sovereignty of the people. Mm -hmm. Our constitution keeps on saying that we're in control. And for each and every guest who's come on to this uh, program, I've said, you're lying. We're not in control. Mm -hmm. So with regard to environmental protection, uh, is there an environmental police in the same way that there is a sort of vice and virtue squad uh, um, policing religion in Afghanistan? Who's doing it for us? Yeah, so we have KFS, Kenya Forest Service. Uh, That's our police. Uh, KFS came to be, uh, came, uh, acquired its power from, the formation of the Forest Act and the Forest Conservation and Management Act of 2016. So they came uh, to be, and they are the ones that uh, led to the halt of excision and uh, alteration of forest boundaries. And so they led to a lot of restoration and they stopped a lot of uh, forest degradation. Uh, and they are also the ones responsible for uh, implementing approaches such as sustainable uses of um, uh, forest resources. So when it comes to uh, implementation of such approaches, what you find is that it is uh, it, it's, it is okay to use forest resources, even the trees, but you must ensure that you're doing it in a way that it does not deplete the resource. So it is okay to harvest, but how how many are you harvesting at a time? And what effect will that harvesting have on the entire resource? If you would, yeah. another break. Yeah. Thank you. We'll go on later. Thank you. The best mix of music, Capital FM. I described you as knowledgeable. You cut down a tree that everybody is saying is 100 years old. It's mm-hmm. right there. It goes into the mythology of a people, and uh, it's cut down. In the best-case scenario, if I plant a tree mm-hmm. now, how long is it going to take to be a big tree and then start doing its marvelous things like withdrawing what is what is the what is the what is the equation? What is the algorithm? Okay, so once again, there's uh, two types of uh, trees uh, that we we plant here in Kenya. There's the indigenous type of tree, and then there's the exotic type of tree. The indigenous will take at least thirty years to mature, and okay. the, ex- the exotic trees will take even three years to mature. 
we have the eucalyptus, we have the the grevillea, the cypress, which even um, KFS once again would encourage uh, people to plant in their homes to use uh, as fuel because dependence on uh, on wood um, resources will for the longest time be there. So what you do is encourage... Sorry, another another sort of uh, one inch myth that goes around. Yeah. I could be really, really rich if I planted some trees that yeah. would end up being sort of like telephone poles so that, you know, that uh, the electricity people would come and buy my whatever tree you might be. Yeah. But it seems to me that in the modern day world with power cuts and every day, uh, is planting trees for that effect um, the thing to do? Is it the modern thing to do? It Could is. Just, yeah. yeah, I did a little bit of reading just the other day mm. and I found out that using trees for electricity poles is better than using the concrete uh, structures. Because? Because when you're producing concrete, you, pro- you emit more of the CO2 than when you're just cutting down a tree to make it a, an, a, an electricity pole. So, yeah, the other options have more, um, more effects to the environment than just using a tree. And once again, once you plant this, uh, you plant these trees, uh, you will be doing, you will be solving uh, an environmental um, challenge. While in the process, at the end, at the end of it, you get something out of it. Once you sell these trees to the KPLC and other. Okay, so we've got we've got the trees, but we also must eat lasma tule. Mm-hmm. So now, tell us about the correlation between having this huge forest Mm -hmm. and uh, again explain to our listenership this idea I remember in Professor Wangari Madai's day Mm. the idea of a shamba system Mm. and uh, cut the trees down and then plant something to eat and then explain that to me because again there's a there must be a linkage Mm. except for another guest to unpack Mm -hmm. and this is the idea of food production Mm -hmm. and the idea of priorities because you're going to be happy if there are trees everywhere but uh, then the masses will be starving with lots of trees around them and very fresh air to breathe (laughs) Um, there's uh, only a few the section of land in Kenya that is set aside for forests is just too small uh, for anyone to get into it, to want to produce uh, crops from from there as well. So, however, once again, KFS uh, implements uh, the shamba system in various uh, sections of of the of the forest, where you can plant trees. And in order for these trees to survive, you inter- you bring in uh, community members who are allowed to farm in these places. Uh, as they farm, they make sure to also take care of these trees, which increases the survival rate of these trees, which is a good thing. So at the end of it, you have trees that have survived. You get like a 100% survival rate and you get a, a community member who goes away with their crops uh, for sus- uh, subsistence. So it, it is a good thing to do that. However, uh, it is not a good thing to uh, invade, to invade forest land just because you want to produce your crops. Uh, there are lands that are, s- are set aside for that. And I... I, I didn't want to go into the Mao issue, but I believe the people who were taken out, who were told to leave Mao, especially on the Narok side, were resettled. 
and therefore they were given uh, lands uh, to farm on and to uh, reside on. Okay, uh, I'm still looking at uh, topical issues. Uh, uh, the Mwanainchi spokesperson, I I hear, and maybe you might comment upon this, this idea that there are huge tracts of Kenyan land, uh, particularly at the coast, mm-hmm. where another country comes and leases however many acres, and then we can't do it, but they can provide the irrigation to grow tomatoes, and and these tomatoes, once ripe, will end up in some other country. Mm-hmm. Is is this something that we should welcome? Uh-huh. Is it happening? or Is it happening? I, I'm sure if people say it's happening, then it is happening. Yeah, but if it is happening on uh, forest land, then that is some, that, uh, something that the public should make sure that it is stopped with immediate effect. So you're trying to suggest that there is some kind of land, which is forest land, yes. which will only grow trees, and other land is condemned never to have a huge tree. So we were told again when I was little mm-hmm. that the whole of the, what is now the Sahara Desert was a huge, the whole Congo where the Kakamega uh, forest is like a, a remnant of what used to be a huge forest. Mm-hmm. Is it, and, and there are other countries uh, which are working hard to restore their uh, uh, forest to this sort of Stone Age uh, elegance. What are we doing? Because you're saying, you know, forest land, and we've just said we've got 7.5%. So you haven't solved my problem, or maybe I just don't follow reasoning properly. Yeah, Yeah, so we have 7.5% because there was a lot of uh, forest degradation when the proper laws were not in place. So a lot of trees were cut down. However, uh, once the Forest Conservation and Management Act of 2016 was put in place, a lot started coming back. There are a lot of restoration and re- rehabilitation started coming back. And that is why we are now at 7.5, even though we are aiming for at least 10%. Um, oh, yeah, I think that's your question. Okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, elucidation on another point. Mm. Now, this idea, if you see this image in my mind's eye, that we have these huge uh, national parks, mm. and then we have another sort of current debate that sort of flits across my eyes with every, the people want to go into huge spaces like the Mara, like Amboseli, mm. and they want to grow things that will be of great benefit in terms of export, like avocados. So Kenya, I believe, could be mm-hmm. challenging Brazil and Peru and Eritrea as an avocado king. Yeah. And then the, there's a group of conservationists, because we're going to have somebody uh, on this program talking about wildlife. Mm. So you've come in as the guru, you know, the princess of the trees. Yeah. Uh, what um, isn't these avocados and growing them mm. isn't eventually a good thing? If the whole of the Maasai Mara were produced 50 trillion kilos of avocados. So uh, the value, uh, if you compare the Maasai Mara... Well, Kenyans couldn't eat them. I mean, we were all limited to... Eating them. Yeah. So uh, which one is more valuable? Although if there's there's a a, a big uh, conservationist out there listening to me right now, I'm sure they are very upset with me starting this uh, answer like this. So if you have Masai Mara as it is right now and you have it as a 
avocado plant uh, as an avocado plantation which one, which one has more value I'm so, asking you yeah so mm. that's what I'm telling you yes. so Masai Mara as it is right now has a lot of value because of the revenue it brings in in form of tourism tourism revenue right yes however how much would avoc- an avocado plantation uh, bring in however I also uh, what you need to do is in order for people to pick between these two, they need to also know the value that they get from these two uh, scenarios. So someone who would pick an avocado over, over wildlife, it means that they do not know right by now how much value they get from that Masai Mara being in, where it is right now. I understand. Yeah, but the, the, we're still looking. You're explaining to me. Don't don't take my questions unkindly. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, that these these things must be interlinked in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. The idea of tree cover, vegetation, mm-hmm. animals, and human beings. Mm-hmm. Now there are parts of Kenya where we're told, especially around Lake Victoria, which maybe have been ignored over a while. Mm-hmm. And if, for example, rice were to be grown. In um, on the shores of Lake Victoria, there would be triple, drillion, brilliant the production of, of, of the rice that we already grow. Mm-hmm. So that Kenya could be self-sufficient in rice. Mm-hmm. Now there you are wanting us to plant trees and we could go to the self-same Lake Basin, Lake Victoria Basin and plant trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the interrelationship? What is the interrelationship between factories and I'm sorry, muddled thinking. The idea that Lake Victoria over time is being so polluted with all the effluents that are being pushed into the lake Mm -hmm. that in 30 years' time it'll just cease to exist. So what is is the interrelationship that creates the perfect balance Mm -hmm. between the environment and human beings? So once again, uh, we have to evaluate how much value Lake Victoria brings in in its current state, and what will happen if Lake Victoria disappears for good? Uh, for example, uh, what would happen to Egypt in case uh, Lake Victoria disappears? That country would be inexistent because uh, the waters from the Nile flow, and exactly, a, yes, exactly. And then, how many people depend on the lake for their own subsistence? Uh, if we had uh, rice, rice, uh, rice plantations. How many people would it benefit? It would be a small percentage compared to how, how many people are benefiting from the whole of uh, Lake Victoria in, as it is right now. So uh, it's, not, it's not only the fisheries uh, department that is benefiting from this, um, from the existence of such a lake. There are other benefits like ecotourism that would die and go away in case this lake disappeared. Okay. Yeah. Uh, may I take you back? I'm um, seeing all your images. I'm being enlightened. Mm-hmm. Slowly, slowly. <laughs> I, I, will the, the region, uh, the, 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 let's talk about this whole idea of reforestation, mm-hmm. creating more than there is now. So uh, I come back, well, I won't come back in 100 years' time, but if I were to, I would find that the forest is spreading more and more towards northern Kenya, the desert, uh, Marsabit, all these places where even as we talk, there is, tr- there is a, a, a tremendous famine. 
-hmm. We see images on our, I'm just seeing the images that I see, um, camels, sort of the skeletons thereof. Will this change with policy? Yes. And what kind of policies must be put in place? Mm -hmm. We're we're drawing to a new election. Mm -hmm. We're going to hear lots of promises, uh, electoral promises. Now, if you went to a rally, mm-hmm. and we always have this image, you, you've danced, mm-hmm. what as an environmentalist are you going to have as demands on him or her? Yeah, so uh, there's, a, there's a certain uh, organization, uh, I think it's owned by guys from the Netherlands, and they are doing a lot of, it's called Just Dig It. They are doing a lot of re- restoration in, in such in such places like northern Kenya. So what they are doing is they are digging things called buds. So it's just holes, and then whenever it rains. So the concept of that digging is to to have water collect there. So once water collects there over time and uh, good soil over time plantations start also colonizing these places. So uh, what, uh, what the policies that I would want to see is policies that allow for such uh, projects to be propagated. Policies that allow for... Uh, Name one. I mean, just imagine for you're the young, you're, you're of one, one policy that you would say a government should... Um, should put about yeah so policy on funding because such uh, projects are usually hindered due to the lack of funds enough funds and these uh, individuals who are doing this uh, would have to fundraise by themselves in order to come and implement such a project in our country Uh, but if we were uh, open to providing funds like the government to fund such a project, the whole of North and Eastern would be restored. We are the well, pers- you're, you're saying we're reliant on other people. Uh, we're relying on the outsider to solve our problems. Mm-hmm. Yet we have uh, a person such as yourself who is an expert. So explain that to me. Am I an expert, really? Yes. Uh, what I just... <laughs> I, what I know is I have seen a lot of good come from this project. Uh, and so uh, they are coming from outside, yes, but they are really good. Uh, maybe it's something that our people had thought about, but they didn't have the courage to implement and the capacity to implement. And so someone else coming from outside to implement, they are helping us with their own tools, with their uh, capacity, with their funds and everything else that maybe we do not have and maybe our uh, our people have not uh, been in a position to demand for. Kindly, one last break. Wenzangu, the time has come. What is your name? 
my name is Sarah Anupikutahi. I'm an environmental scientist with zero experience on radio. Uh, sure, if I were in other platforms, I would have been uh, better at ex- uh, giving uh, better answers. But yeah, here we are. <laughs> Explain to me what it takes to be an environmental scientist. Uh, such a designation didn't exist in my youth. I wouldn't have dreamt of becoming one. <laughs> uh, so uh, why I'm an environmental scientist is well, I mm, went what to... What is it? What is it? What did you study? Yes. Why? I went to school for four years mm. uh, and studied environmental scientist uh, where I was expe- uh, exposed to uh, different uh, disciplines uh, in matters environment. So I did things on uh, biodiversity, conservation, uh, flora and fauna in general. I did stuff on uh, community policy. Yeah. So it's always interesting to know why people choose a certain uh, path in their education. Is this something that was foisted upon you because... Whichever university, we shan't name it for now. We're not here to publicize universities. But mm-hmm. wherever you went, mm-hmm. is this something that you wanted to do? And, and what, what was the inspiration if there's a, a, a young girl wanting to become like Sarah? Yeah. So uh, my inspiration at that time, yes, this is something I chose, although it was my second op- uh, option. Uh, my first selection was nursing. Yes. Yeah. And then my second option was uh, environmental science. So uh, what inspired me at that time was I was a girl guide. And so with girl guide, being a girl guide came things like the need to care for the environment. And also when I was in primary school, I was privileged to go around uh, parks in Nairobi. This is a program that is usually uh sponsored by the African Fund for Endangered Wildlife, which most people know as the Giraffe Center. So uh, this exposed me to a lot of things about the environment. And so I became very passionate. I started loving things to do with the environment. And also I grew up uh, listening to people like uh, Wangari Mathai, who's everyone, uh, every environmentalist role model. I have also grown up uh, looking up to uh, Dr. Paula Paula Kahumbu. And so these are the people and things that have informed my passion thus far. Do you think that other young Kenyans should have had the same exposure? Do you think that our curricula ought to involve this? Because how many Kenyans that you know from your own knowledge uh, would have seen um, a lion or a giraffe in the wild Mm -hmm. and even less so being able to look at a tree and say that is you know rusticana Mm -hmm. mombasica (laughs) you know 200 years old Uh Uh, i think i'm trying to suggest that we know nothing uh, that the we we can't love the environment if we haven't been taught to love it yeah I, that is very true. So I believe not many Kenyans have had the same experiences I have had. Uh, and so we were even have a, having a discussion with a few friends of mine. And we thought uh, we um, we were able to like highlight things like having having gone on such a trip once alone, maybe is not the thing that brought out the passion for the environment in me. Uh, the fact that there was follow-up uh, from 
organizations and the fact that uh, maybe even the environment I was in exposed me to uh, people like Wangari Mathai and Dr. Paula. Uh, this is why I ended up for pursuing uh, a career in environmental science. It, so it's not just about having uh, taking kids for a day trip. It's about engaging them as much as possible in uh things uh, to do with environment, having them plant a tree or two every year, having them uh, uh, look at butterflies and marvel at butterflies and grasshoppers and uh, taking the time to explain why such stuff exists and their importance uh, to our own survival because it, uh, it all comes down to all of us uh, surviving. So, yeah. Right. Well, thank, now that we know who you are and you're no longer a mystery, could I just, um, uh, if you'd indulge me in looking at some of the notes that I had made, I mean, we've had a rich conversation thus far, but mm -hmm. I'll warn you so that your mind can go um, think about them. Mm -hmm. I'd just like you to do in the last uh, how many minutes, maybe 10, slightly less, to think about um, these other buzzwords, because I've been talking buzzwords the idea of climate change and its effects. Mm -hmm. Just what uh, the, when the Constitution was saying that the community itself had to be involved. So I'm thinking of, again, my relations, quote, on, in, in the village, so to speak, mm -hmm. who are going to go out with their panga every day and fetch firewood because that's what they've done for generations. Mm -hmm. So this idea of... Uh, and then the other thing I'd like you to address, because we're talking about our, our dear friends on the Lake Victoria... Uh, the idea of chemical and plastic pollution mm -hmm. and its effects on the environment. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you, you pace yourself, I'm going to say climate change and its effects. What would you say or have to say? Yeah, so climate change is here. Uh, many people may hear the word climate change and think that this is something that exists out there, uh, but it isn't really. It's something that we even experience. If um, I can take you back to January of this year, I believe everyone felt that heat. Whether you were driving throughout um, and whether you were just walking, the heat was just too much. So that's one of the effects of climate change. And once again, every year uh, as Kenyans, we, we get to have this Kenyans for Kenya. This is something that has been made worse by, uh, by climate change. So every year uh, we fundraise to, to help a community that is struggling because of drought that has been brought about by uh, climate change. And again, uh, you know of uh, Serikali's idea, the lady who went about uh, asking for help from Serikali, Serikali's idea because of flooding. These uh, cases are made worse again because of climate change. So uh, cl the, the issue of climate change is not very far away from us. It's something that is real and it's affecting our current uh, lives as we speak. Again, with all these put in the, the prong of what role could be played by government, because we're just about to elect a new government. Yeah. So uh, climate change, I mean, can they do that or just leave it all to us? <laughs> Yeah, so the government is defi definitely doing something. Uh, one of the things that they've done is they've ratified uh, the the UN's, uh, I, I, I forget, mm. uh, they've ratified the things that, the papers that come from the UN, which inform, we should be uh, the ones informing our actions. So that alone is something that is very good. And it um, from there, 
activities and actions take place that ensure that, uh, for instance, tree cover is increased uh, to to especially anini uh, on rivers so that it can block the effects of flooding and and such like things. Okay, we've got two more. I'm going to change the order around. I'm going to go, before we end with the community, Hmm. I'm going to say pollution, plastic chemical pollution. Yeah, so Uh, once again, uh, people are doing so much. uh, And you you must be aware of the ban on uh, polythene bags. That is the one thing that conservationists we are very happy about, even though the enforcement is not all the way there. You, we still have uh, polythene bags sneaking into the country. I don't know from where. And that is the one thing that we, we are grateful for. But the other nuisance that conservationists uh, would like to put an end to is the use of single-use plastics. Uh, these are plastics that uh, we use only once and discard of them. So these pl- plastics are ending up in, in, uh, river body, in water bodies sorry, and in the streets generally. And they are causing such a menace to the environment. And wha- another thing uh, that has really led to the menace uh, when it comes to plastic is our inability to manage our waste properly. So you find that once a person uses their glass of juice, what they do is just discard it on the on the on the streets or throw it outside the window, window on their way to Mombasa. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting it in a proper bin. Again, the issue of sep- uh, waste segregation, which would lead to proper uh, recycling of uh, waste-like plastic, has not really been enforced. So I have been reading about the Kenya Plastic Pact, which is being implemented by Sustainable Sustainable uh, Business. SIB, Sustainable Inclusive Business, uh, an organization that is, works under KEPSA. Uh, they are hoping that they'll put a ban on the single-use plastic, and they're hoping to also recycle 40% of plastic that ends up uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the market. The last words are community participation in conservation, yeah. and that is the community. I, w- I will include myself in the community. Mm. Uh, what role can we play? So is, is there a message that you would impart mm. that not because we tend to think of community as rural based and we we mm. city slickers are uh, sort of uh, free of. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to say about the role that the citizen can play in protecting the environment yeah so the citizen is the main the main custodian of the environment without their involvement chances of conservation efforts failing are very high so what uh, I have seen so far is uh, the success of conservation efforts increasing due to the involvement of communities for instance uh, I had the privilege of uh, visiting a conservation project in Chulu, in Chulu Hills. So what what happens is there was a conservation uh, project that was established, but it was handed over to the to the community. The community is aware of its positive impacts on their lives, and they are on the forefront of making sure that this uh, project succeeds a hundred percent. We have to stop there. Thank you very much, Sarah. Anupi, and the other name that you gave was? Kutahi. Kutahi, Sarah Anupi Kutahi. 
Uh, I think I, you certainly taught me lots that I didn't know before, and I hope our listeners did too. So, listeners, do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya, or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. You've been listening to John C.B. Okumu on Wednesday. Till next time.